Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 44, and we got some more Seahawks talk for you today, unfortunately. Um, I'm joined tonight by my fellow co-hosts, Sam and Justin. Sam, we'll start with you. How are you doing? What are you sipping on tonight? What's getting you through this epically bad weekend of Seattle sports that we just witnessed? Yeah, well, that's a good segue because, uh, well... Our football teams suck. And while I'm not ready to pile on on the Kraken, but they did just get smoked. So uh, it's not great, Bob. No Sounders it's to save us up. yet. No. Nope. Mariners are done. Dare I mention the Sonics? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so it's not going I think, great. I think, I think the Silver Tips won. Worse, to make matters even worse, I literally just polished off my bottle of Jack Daniels, so this episode oh, better no. be good. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've got a drink to sip, but the bottle's dry. In the dangerous territory. What are you sipping on, Justin? I've got a longboard island lager, the same as the other night when we did the Husky podcast, but it's... Yeah, I'd rather be in Hawaii than talk to you guys about shitty football teams. I'm not going to lie. I'd go back to Hawaii. That was nice. Yeah. I would Hopefully with sunscreen there. this time. Do you guys want to go to Hawaii? Yeah, I would go. Yeah, let's go. Let's just go to Hawaii. <laughs> All so, right. Well, that was a nice All podcast. Right. Thanks See for ya. listening, folks. As Yeah. As always, we appreciate the support. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, that looks like a fancy drink, Connor. Oh, yes. What do you got there? It's not that fancy because I'm just, I'm, this is a one ingredient cocktail. And by that, I mean scotch. I'm sorry, <laughs> Sam, but I'm going to have to buy us a new bottle of scotch because this needs to happen right now. The monkey and shoulder. Monkey shoulder is about to be gone after tonight. Hey, we're, we're sharing it virtually. We are. There's, there's still a decent amount left in there, Connor. Your, your plans are ambitious for tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of whiskey, dude. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. I don't know. I hope you finish it. I already it. have a pretty tall glass here, so I, I hope I don't finish it for my, the do. rest of my week's sake. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> yeah, you're, not the, you're not the one nursing the hangover in the morning if this I do This is it. true. This is true. I just meant specifically for this podcast. Uh, yeah. We got two and we got two two and four football teams, guys. That ain't gonna get it done. Like, I'm trying to remember both. Like the last time both teams were this bad, I think it's. I think it was 2008. Has to be. I mean, the Seahawks have been good for the last, you know, decade. Decade. Yeah. So that's since that's since 2011. I mean, they made the playoffs in 2010. Oh. They were seven yes. and nine, two thousand eleven. Yeah. Yep. Um. So they were seven and nine in back to back seasons. They weren't great, I guess. That's pro- it's probably on par with this team. But the Huskies went to a bowl in 2010, 11, 12, 13. I mean, it has to be oh eight. I mean, maybe oh nine. You could throw in there, but it, yeah, it has yeah. to be oh eight. 
Yeah, 08 God. was a pretty bad year. That's like pretty much that what overall, we're headed like, for. I mean, the Mariners sucked that year too. Mm-hmm. That's the year that Sonics left. Mm-hmm. No and so the at least market it... crashed. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but now least... we've got we COVID have... and uh, two terrible teams. So <laughs> shaping up to. Well, we got a hockey team now. We got yeah, a. The, Sounder, the Sounders are still good, even though they lost their last. And game. the Sounders are pretty effing good even though yeah they lost to houston that was pretty bad no, dude houston's missing. goals were unreal in that game they were but the sounders are also missing some of their good players in that game so that's true that's so, true not all doom and gloom all right but yeah two well, and four this is this a... is the, it was the last time we were two and four was 2015 and the seahawks did make the playoffs that year they did that was the mm-hmm. cam chancellor holdout year right mm-hmm. correct yeah yeah, there's a lot more talent on that team. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that defense. Legion of Boom was still around. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I mean, it was it was kind of on its end, but um it but was yeah, that was there. a lot more talented of a football team. Yeah. 2016 was kind of really the end of that mm-hmm. era. Right. Yeah. At least the start of the end, I guess, beginning of mm-hmm. the end. Where you is it on this note, like is this season still alive for the Hawks? Like, do they have a chance? I mean, we're we're two and four. We got games against the Saints and the and the Jaguars, and then we got a bye week. And everyone is hoping, crossing everything, that Russell Wilson is back for that Green Bay game after the bye week. I think we still like hold firm on what we mentioned in the last podcast, where if we can go two and one in the three games leading up to the bye week, and Russell Wilson is back, I think the season is still alive. But we you already go dropped one. the one game, so now we need to go two and out. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think we'll, I think we'll win one of them, but I, I, I just, I don't know. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, but I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what Sam is saying. It's just the the target has moved. If we win two of our three next game, which is now home against the Saints, home against the Jags, and away against the Packers. That's but if we win yeah, two that's... of those three games, I mean, for the sake of argument, uh, for okay, four and for four and five is what I'm trying to say. The season is not yep. completely over. Sure. No, it's not. I mean, there's a 17 game season. There's an extra game to try and get to the playoffs, and there's seven teams now that make the playoffs in each division. Yep. So. Or conference, I should say. So, no, it's not over. It's definitely looking bleak, for sure. And to be fair, like, I mean, you look you look at the NFC as a conference. Seven teams make make the playoffs, which you just said that, right? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I was I was looking up the, the standings just to have this up for my next point. And you got the four division winners, I think, are like a battle between five teams, I guess. There's three that, like, I'm pretty sure I've almost wrapped up the division at this point in the season, which is ridiculous. You got mm-hmm. Dallas in the East, yep. Green Bay in the North, and Tampa Bay in the South. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, in the NFC West, you got the Rams and Cardinals duking it out. Cardinals look like the better team. They also have the win against the Rams. So they got kind of, they're up one game, but almost two because of that tie break at this point in the season. As far as battling for like the like the last two spots in the NFC playoff picture, you're battling with like a two and four Washington team, a two and four Philly team, a three and three Vikings team, a three and three Bears team, a three and two Saints. So like this next 
game against the Saints is honestly pretty massive in mm-hmm. the playoff picture at this early juncture in the season. A three and three Panthers. I mean, the, you can throw the two and three Falcons in there, I guess, too. I don't think that the Falcons are going to do anything this year. And then you got the Niners, who don't really have a very good option at quarterback right now. That it's not, it's definitely not out of the picture that they get one of those last two spots in, right. in the playoffs. Now, even if they do, I mean, are they really going to make any noise in the playoffs? Which I think was kind of the goal that we all set out and kind of the expectation that we lined out for this team when we went into this season. But as far as like goals of making the playoffs, I think that's still still on the table. Um, you're probably going to have to be 10 and 7 might do it. I think 10 and 7 will probably get that seventh spot if you win the right games. I think it's right. going to come down to tiebreakers. Um, 11, 11 and 6, I think almost surely you would get in. So for seven teams, I think, or 17 games, 11 and six is pretty good. Yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're safe at 11 and six. I think you're probably sitting pretty at 10 and seven. So long as you're, as you're winning mostly that like the NFC games on your schedule um, rather than the AFC games, because it's going to, it's going to come down to tiebreakers at that point, I think. So all I'm well, saying luckily- is none of the, none of these teams are really that impressive either. That, that you're battling with so totally and like you said spots. that ma- totally and that's why i like that saints game this week is so massive but luckily this mm-hmm. past week's loss was an afc team uh at pittsburgh it would have right. been really nice to come back and win this game but we did not uh and did two not... of our four losses are against afc teams so in over the titans the other one yeah both in overtime yeah yeah uh P- tennessee had no business coming back and we had such anyway no. um this was a tough loss. I mean, the first half was brutal, guys. It was brutal. We ran 20 plays plus a kneel down, which does. So we ran 20 offensive plays, scored zero points, and the defense forced three punts to start the game, and we still couldn't do anything. That's awful. <laughs> first half was awful. First half was. I mean, just awful. think of the. I didn't think it was getting any better. Just think of the neutral fan watching that game Sunday night football, and it's like, defense, oh, no offense. Like, how terrible. I mean, it ended up being kind of an interesting fourth it quarter, did. but it did. man, it started. Oh, slow. it ended up being a really entertaining game, I think. But <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I mean, just East Coast starts at eight o'clock. You know, these games they go late. I mean, I would have been asleep after watching that first and second quarter. It's terrible. I know my father-in-law was up for the whole thing, Grant. So thank you Attaboy. for staying up and texting me and keeping me sane throughout the entire game. Guys, the third quarter. I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> I, I thought they might burn through my head, but Alex Collins kept running the ball and running the ball and running the ball and it kept working and Pittsburgh was not adjusting. And it just like, it, it, I mean, you could see Pete Carroll's excitement from Seattle. I mean, I just couldn't understand, but we just ran the ball <laughs> down their throats. And I think we scored 14 or 17. I mean, we, the field goal might've been in the fourth quarter, but I mean, just had three straight scoring drives or three out of four drives where we scored and just ran the ball down their throat. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys think of Alex Collins? I, I really liked what I saw from him. I mean, I think that's been one of my biggest takeaways from the team so far this year is just not being able to get it in a rhythm running the ball, whether it's Carson Collins, we've seen Homer get in there a little bit. I don't know. DJ Dallas hasn't really gotten a look at running back this season yet. 
but it was really nice to see someone like consistently getting positive yards. But I mean, Collins looks like he got a little banged up himself. And so now where yeah. do you go? Carson's got this well, like mysterious neck injury, which is never a good sign. <clears throat> On injured reserve for another two weeks mm-hmm. minimum. Yeah. Might I interject? Guess who's coming off off of IR this Our week? Brilliant first round pick is my guess. Rashad Penny. Yep. Is anybody I mean, super excited about that? Or? I mean, he's probably playing above DJ Dallas, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and if Collins is hurt, that's what I'm saying. If Collins is hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just call if Collins is healthy, he's getting. The vast majority of carries, clearly. Rashad Penny is about about to prove his worth over the next two games. God, what a waste! Yeah, so we we win the next two games on the back of Rashad Penny. Is he worth the first round pick? <laughs> no, no. Um, All right, fair enough. Yeah, we could go back and dissect who was cho- chosen later in that draft. And we'd be no, we, we don't have to do that. We're not going to do that it. today. <laughs> yeah. um, but in the fourth quarter, so after we went 17-17, we saw Pittsburgh adjust. And they even, Chris Collinsworth in his hellish game that he had last night, by the way, I thought he was one of his worst performances ever. Even he that. called out that Pittsburgh switched to a, uh, a D-line of five instead of four to really sell out and stop the run. Uh, because that's all Seattle could do. And you saw its effectiveness. Seattle could not move the ball until the last drive uh, when we were in hurry up. And we had a golden opportunity, guys, where Ben Roethlisberger absolutely just farted the ball out of his hand. And rolled. <laughs> <laughs> farted and we all... the ball out of his hand? I've never yep. heard that. That's hilarious. <laughs> and we were on their 35-yard line. And we could not gain. In fact, we lost yards to get out of field goal range, and we had to punt. And that right there, that was the chance for us to win that game to go down, kill some clock, and get in the end zone, or at least a field goal. And that that sealed the fate, I think. Well, no, not really. But that that really would have killed it off. Yeah. That's, that's a bad offensive series, for sure. I mean, when Geno Smith was counted on this game, he did not deliver. I mean, when Pittsburgh had 10 days, well, really Did you seven, expect him to? Um, I expected him to do more than he did and to either have really that were, I didn't expect the average, um, yards per air yards per throw to be like three yards. No. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely would have been nice to see him throw downfield more. I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, he had some drives, you know, near the end and, you know, that hurry up drive where he was, you know, throwing it around, but. Yeah, I would have liked I, to see. I honestly don't know if I blame Gino for that though. I I'm sorry to interrupt. I just I No, 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 it's a good point. I I think Waldron's just as much to blame if not more. That like This was this was this was Waldron's chance to really scheme like well in a game and prove that like he can he can win with an average quarterback if he just schemes well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he didn't do it. Like we we no. we saw the same we saw the same struggles that this offense has been having with Russell Wilson happen with Geno Smith, and even more so because Geno Smith is obviously a lesser quarterback than Russ. Um, Was Russell Wilson no, calling plays? Oh my god! That... No, 
that that that, yeah. tw- that tweet you sent out oh my the, god connor <laughs> Oh, yes, man. So Russell I know exactly Wilson, what you're talking about. Russell Wilson, I think it was a screen pass on third down and, third and 10 18. or 18. Okay. It was 18. And it, it was a screen. And Russell's face, when he heard the play come in his in his headset, he was so yeah, He mad. looks at his he play looked, calling sheet. He like, looks like he it looks was up. Like, and then he just turns the other way and he's just in disbelief before the play even runs. Like, he's just like, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's a great point, Connor, to bring up. I think the play calling did not help Gino at all. And you see, I mean, when you watch the Rams, for instance, you see open wide receivers all over the place. Like, there's no defenders out there. They're just schemed open to, to find the gaps in the defense and et cetera. And Gino definitely didn't have that. And sometimes he didn't have time because the Steelers have this guy named TJ Watt. He's pretty decent. Uh, four years, $112 million. Yeah. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, and worth the money. Yeah. Plays like unlike, a superstar. Crazy. Unlike um, somebody else. We'll yep. get to best in the nation in a second. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree that Gino wasn't helped out, but also, I mean, we got to make some throws um, and make some plays happen and check. And we don't, you don't see any of that with Gino like you do with Russ and changing plays and looking at how the defense is lined up and try to take advantage of situations. So that was unfortunate. But somehow, guys, this last two minutes was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, I mean, to go down the field and then that whole end of game scenario was absolutely wild. DK that was Met- bizarre. Absolutely. I don't know if I've ever. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen you swearing in text so much, Justin. I I was swearing in real life too. You can ask my fiance. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Samantha was not happy with me. Anyway, so DK Metcalf <laughs> still is ca- <laughs> catches the ball on the sideline, and for some reason on God's green earth, he did not go out of bounds. He was right on the sideline, catches it. I think he was already past the boundary or whatever. Tries to go. There's like 12 extra, seconds left at that. 12 point. seconds left would have gone out of bounds, made it nice and easy. Instead, goes up the field two or three yards and gets the ball punched out. Freddie Swain. No, not Freddie Swain. Who was it? It was, was Freddie, Freddie Swain. Swain. Okay. Yeah. Um, he recovers the ball. Russell Wilson and everyone else in the Seahawks sideline runs on the field saying, You need to get to the center. So they run and they spike the ball with about, I think they spiked the ball literally with one second left and they snapped it with two or three. But the officials came in, and this is bizarre. They blew the play dead and said they were going to review the previous play, so DK Metcalf's play, to see if it was a catch, which is bizarre because he caught the ball, turned up field, and ran a couple yards. And then I I just don't understand at all. And what I was worried about was that they were going to put one second on the on the clock, and it was going to be running. And I thought, you know, the Steelers were all mad because they they got screwed. But I thought the Seahawks were going to get screwed out of that because they got the mm-hmm. snap off in plenty of time. And I know the stadium clock and they were making a big deal that went to zero, but it was clearly still at right. least one, probably like one. I don't know what five. I don't know why Tomlin was so pissed off about that entire sequence. Like it would have been the same exact result. Like we would have had one second left. It's probably because the yeah. stadium Even clock, if they hadn't right? Stopped it. I mean, it said zero. Yeah, I, I guess, mean, but yeah. like. You would have thought that someone would have been in his ear before he went to his press conference and he was spouting off about it in his press conference after the game. So I, don't know. Well, I thought the whole thing was bizarre. 
Yeah, the whole thing was weird. But on that drive was just total chaos. Because even before that, didn't DJ Dallas convert a first down and fumble the ball? And it like yes, bounced oh, yes. off the yep. ground. It wasn't like a first. Right... It was like on. It was just on a running down. Like it wasn't a first down that he ran. I think it was like it was like on like a first down that he ran like five or six yards and like fumbled it though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it came and it right like back to him. Bounced off the ground right back into his lap. Yeah. I mean, we had so much. The ball, de- you know, the cliche. The ball definitely bounced our way in those two plays. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my lord, you know, Jimmy Lake, only one play away. That's right. And that uh, apparently the ball doesn't bounce like that for Jimmy Lake and the Huskies, huh? <laughs> apparently not. I, I was also pretty irritated that drive because our clock management wasn't very good. We were letting, we were coming up no. to the huddle so slowly, yeah. like at least twenty seconds when the clock was running. I was getting really irritated at that. Our t- second they took timeout. a they took a timeout yeah yeah with like 52 yeah, seconds left that they let at least like seven seconds run off the clock from end of play to yeah. timeout and i just uh, well that, and then even and that, the, even the last timeout made no sense to me it you took a timeout and you had the intention of running another play like and it, and it was second down so i don't know why you wouldn't go up and clock it with a spike run your third down play. And then when that fumble madness happens, you still have a timeout and just call timeout. Then I don't know why they called it. They had a play to spike it. It made no yeah. sense to me. And I wasn't sure. I if mean, I was you would have been something or. Yeah. I mean, you would have been at third and three at the 35 yard line in a windy stadium. But yeah, he would have, he I would mean, have had like nine seconds left with but the they probably the think argue, that the, the, with the, yeah, the down is more yeah. valuable than than the clock at that point. I don't know, but then to Sam's point seconds, though, but you have yeah. a timeout and then you have all the whole field to work with instead of where we had to throw the sideline and sure, but you're down out, to t- you're but, down to two plays to get three yards, which I mean you should be able to do, but like I mean, if if we don't make it on third down on that one play, Pete Carroll might still kick that ball from the 35-yard line. I mean, you probably have to, right? But... Yeah. And and I don't know if – I mean, I don't think I like that. Is that, that 52-yarder? Yeah, and Myers has been pretty shaky this year. Yeah, he was liking that left post. Oh. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I, I get I get your point, Sam. I'm just saying that I I mean they they probably thought in their yeah mind I, that the down might have meant more than the than the clock at that point. Yeah, I suppose I could see it. I, in hindsight's 2020, right? Like, well, and also Pete Carroll's notorious for horrible clock management. On your yeah. to your point, Dustin. Yeah, and it's because of like how he coaches. Like it's just complete chaos on that sideline. Like it's complete chaos. Yeah, and dysfunction confusion like no one knows what's going on and pete just makes like gut instinct calls oh, um, gotta love doesn't even listen calls you know yeah. how i thought that well game was that. actually going to end in classic pete carroll seahawks chaotic madness was after all the hoopla went on and we still had to spike the ball did you see the steelers defensive line oh yeah do a Try quick to... pre-step pre-snap movement 
it would have been such a Seahawks ending to jump for a false start and then the 10 second runoff oh, ends the game. Yep. I was really worried that they were going to do that. I was really worried they were going to do that. Um, oh, man. Yeah. But anyway, guys, so that was... somehow, somehow we made it to overtime. We did. Yeah, somehow. And then we did a whole lot of Russell nothing. Wilson, who I've never seen an injured player come out for a coin toss on injured reserve. He comes out for the coin toss, calls tails. Tails never fails. We get the ball. Driving down the field, Gino has a good pass to lock it. We have a third and That four. was a great pass. It was. I mean, it was. That was some fantastic touch. That was probably his best pass of the day. That's the only one yep. that like I really remember. I mean, that that was a good throw. Mm-hmm. It was over. I forget. It was it Devin Bush or someone was sitting yeah. there, and yeah, it's right over his head. Um, third and four, sacked right out of the range. I mean, if that was fourth and four, I would have been drumming up to go for it. You guys, <laughs> me. Oh, I'm serious. You think about win probability and you know Pittsburgh getting the ball back, but that sack killed us because we were moving. We we're in their territory too. It's really bad. Um, we punt. They punt. They go three and out. That was shocking to me that they went three and out. Trey Brown, boys. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice hit. Got to mention him. He's he played stuck well. Him. I mean, like, that was such a great play. He was in kind of that bail cover three zone. And, I mean, he was like at least 10 yards away from mm-hmm. the receiver when the ball was released. And he was there. I mean, needless to say, Ben Roethlisberger does have a noodle for an arm these days, so it did take a while to get there. But, man, he closed that – the recognition and then the speed to close on that throw and then make a physical tackle is – that's probably the best play I've seen from a corner all year in a Seahawks uniform. Yeah, he's got football instincts that, like, you don't see in that secondary, which is amazing. Like it's just a breath of fresh air after you've just seen everyone struggle to know where they're supposed to be in this defense to see someone come in and just play confident and know where they need to be. Yeah. Their assignment sound like he came in after Sydney struggled on a drive earlier in the game mm-hmm. and he played great, like had great coverage on like a third, third down deep ball that they kind of had totally sealed off the guy. Um, I can't remember who was, I think it was, was it Johnson? I think he was going up against Johnson on that play. Deontay Johnson totally sealed him off. Um, and it was an incomplete pass. And then they put Sidney Jones right back in who ends up getting hurt. But like, I don't know, like you found something there on that drive and Trey Brown, I don't know why they subbed him back out so quickly. Um, and then Sidney comes back in and I think they ended up scoring either on that drive or the next drive. Um, and then eventually Sydney gets hurt and Trey Brown comes back in. But I mean, unless Sydney gets like, unless Sydney doesn't get hurt, I don't know if he comes back in. <laughs> um, at least not to the degree that he did. And I thought he, I thought he made a really good impact on that, on that game from the defensive side of the ball. So I, mm-hmm. I liked what I saw from Trey Brown. Um, and I mean, it's again, this is all against a Pittsburgh offense that isn't very good. Um, and especially big, big Ben is, is not a good quarterback anymore, but, um, it was good to see one of the rookies out there and playing well and, and at a huge position of need too. So hundred percent. Yeah. So then we get the ball back. We forced that three and out first play after getting the ball back, 
Gino's stepping up to either run or throw the ball as he's given time. TJ Watt comes in from out of the corner, recognizes Gino Smith is stepping up in the pocket, strips the ball. They recover. Looked like they're, they're, uh, the guy that recovered the fumble was going to take it to the house the wrong way. Uh, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, keep running. <laughs> but that was at about like the 15-yard line, and then Pittsburgh just – you know, didn't really do anything. Can, can we, can we talk? They did do something. Can we talk about Ben Roethlisberger's like flop over himself to center the ball? Oh yeah. Or to I center mean, it when he was the, like uh, doing like the knee, but like kind of like just placing the ball where it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the ugliest thing. <laughs> I mean, that, I can't believe that person is in an athletic profession. I mean, very literally, it was ugly. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't cough it up while he was doing it. I mean, he totally tripped over himself. Right. It's pretty funny. How do you yeah. remember that? It was, it was pretty bad. So, so that was the end. But I mean, the Seahawks had opportunities in this game. I mean, they ran the ball down their throats in the third quarter to get back. Didn't really do much after that. But I mean, their defense actually made some stops this game. And I know mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's offense isn't very good, but they had they had they were in position to take the win from this game and just couldn't be done so i mean after the predictions we made last week and you know going in sunday night football to a hostile atmosphere does do you feel better or do you feel the same about the seahawks um, going in going forward in the next couple of weeks i kind of feel the same i mean I don't know. It's a tough place to play. I know the Steelers aren't what they usually are, but I mean, if Collins is healthy and with Rashad Penny coming back, I don't know what Chris Carson's deal is, but I mean, we still have offensive firepower and Gino didn't have his best game. He was also sacked five times. I mean, some of that's on him, but he wasn't protected very well. He obviously isn't as elusive back there as Russell Wilson is. So to Russell's credit, he probably erases a couple sacks every game to his own credit. But I, I mean, you, we had a chance to win the game. We were in it. I, I don't, I'm not like too fired up over the loss. You're with your backup quarterback. I think you saw some positive development on the defensive side of the ball in some regards. So I mean, it's a tough loss. It's one that you would love to have for sure, especially with the backup quarterback and in the context of this three-game stretch leading into the bye week, that would have been a nice one to have and take a little pressure off of the one or two of the next games. But I feel the same. I mean, right now we're not a good football team, but I still think we have the makeup of a team that could be really good at the end of the season if we start hitting on all cylinders, I think it's a talented roster. The one, the one caveat I'll have is, well, I guess we could talk about it is Darrell, Darrell Taylor obviously had the super scary injury and we're all thinking that that could be, end up being really bad, but the news is that he could potentially even play this weekend. So Mm -hmm. think about defensively, there's some nice things to look forward to if he can get back to the field, He's our best pass rush threat. Trey Brown, we mentioned, is looking like he could bring an element to the defensive backfield. So I think there's still things that you can be positive in terms of 
the outlook of the season. Part of that is just the length of an NFL season. And there's been teams that, I mean, the teams that come to mind are the Eli Manning Giants teams that just kind of like flounder their way to a mediocre regular season, but really catch fire towards the end and make a run in the playoffs. And even sitting here at two and four, like, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility for the team. Like it's, seems like it might be a little bit unlikely but i think it's still possible so i haven't given up total hope on the season yet that's just where i'm at personally yeah i i also feel mostly the same but i'm probably not as optimistic about the rest of the season um i go back to that saying that we were just talking about with tj watt that your superstars like big players make big plays in big games right Defensive side of the ball. You got Jamal Adams. Not a good football player. Not right now. Not playing well. Not playing well. Doink. Um, absolute. Oh, yeah, best man, in the nation. That was so bad. The best in the nation. As as the PFF score of him being sixty, what second or something out of eighty-five safeties in the NFL, is up on the screen. <laughs> And he says he's the best in the nation. Yeah, that's a, that's a meme worthy right there. Um, yeah, he had two 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 chances at picks. Like, I mean, it, all we've been asking for Jamal is like his playmaking ability. He had like the one big hit in this game. That was basically it. And that didn't even like it was after like a four or five yard gain. So like it wasn't really like an impact play. He had two golden opportunities to make turnovers with with interceptions and couldn't come down with either. He just looks so... Un- like, he has no ball skills. No ball skills at that safety position. And I don't know how you pay someone $17.5 million a year who has no ball skills at the safety position. Like, it's ridiculous. He I got mean, hit he, in the fucking face. His eyes had to have been closed. Or his headband, neckband, whatever you want to call it. I don't think he was looking eyes. at the ball. I don't think he was looking at the ball. Yeah, I think he was so. Which is, I mean, he was so focused in on like where he was going, he just didn't even register. It's just awareness, right? Like he just doesn't have it when the ball's in the air. It's ridiculous. So that's that. I mean, that's that's one superstar that you supposedly have on defense. Bobby Wagner's having a shit year. That's your other superstar on defense. I think that's a strong word, but yeah, I mean, yeah, compared but... to his Hall of Fame level, I would agree. But like, not I don't up think to his standard. Yeah, sure. But he's yeah. also old. He's pro- yeah, he's probably like an average to maybe barely above average linebacker this year. I think he's better than Jordan Brooks. Yeah, he for sure. Jordan is. Brooks is bad though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Brooks is bad though. Like and horrible in coverage. But Bobby mm-hmm. looks slow out there. Not as he's not recognizing play as well. I think this also has, goes back to the scheme though. All none of these guys know where they're supposed to be on certain plays. Like there, like there's no communication. It's just ridiculous. Like it's chaos on on the defensive side of the ball which i don't understand because the seahawks don't run a complicated defense like it's very zone heavy i think they're making it more complicated than it needs to be i think i think they're i don't think that they're simplifying it enough for these guys to play confident yeah i mean it's like the Seahawks defense. If they're dropping defensive ends in coverage on certain downs, you know it's too oh complicated. God, they're overthinking where, everything. 
we couldn't get pressure all game. I mean, that's because partly because Big Ben was releasing the ball pretty quickly, but also we were sure. rushing yep. four a lot. There is one play where you're saying where we we're dropping nine. We rushed two. Like, oh, we're getting home, so let's just rush two. You know. Well, and then you have Benson Mayoa <laughs> covering Najee Harris. Yeah, that's yeah. a great option. Like, burn that shit. Never ha- let that happen again. Are you kidding me? You're putting you're putting a defensive end on a running back. <laughs> Not only a running back, <laughs> when but is like that ever rookie worked? running back with lots of speed, like and one of the best receiving running backs in the NFL already. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, so that's the defensive side of the ball. Offset offensive side of the ball. Your star quarterback's already out. Um, DK Metcalf is getting in Twitter feuds with Shannon Sharp and fumbling. Oh yeah, nearly fumbling away the game. Tyler Lockett's not getting the opportunities that he needs to. And maybe not a superstar, but I would really like to see. Um, what's this? Uh, Everett, Gerald Everett, more of a part of this offense. <laughs> like, he has the one nice completion and rumbles through like three dudes after the catch. Like, that dude has yak written all over him. Yeah. Where's tight the playbook ends, for to get him in space? Tight ends only work against the Seahawks, though. Yeah. I mean, not, where's not for where, them? <laughs> yeah. And apparently, I mean, he was the one that worked against us it, when he was with the Rams. So um, it's just frustrating, dude. I, I, all I'm saying is that, that none of these superstars are making big plays when it matters. And that all goes back to, you know, this lack of finishing with this team. Like they're they're in some of these games, but they're not making enough plays down the stretch to win them. Um, you go back to the Titans game, the second week of the season, like they should have had that game wrapped up. And then um, Vikings game was, they were never really in. Uh, Rams game, they were technically in that game towards the end. Stafford played like ass in that game and kept them in that game. They just didn't make enough plays towards the end, albeit you have a backup quarterback in there at that point. But still would have been nice to see them make some more game-changing plays, especially on the defensive side of the ball in that game. And then in this Pittsburgh game, a very a very winnable game, albeit on the road in the NFL. It's always tough, but like this was a winnable game, and you were right there. Um, and like you said earlier in the earlier in the podcast, Justin, you you get the ball back after Ben gives you a turnover and the game's tied and you're like in their territory and you do nothing with that drive. Um, and that was your opportunity. That was your opportunity to really seize control of that game. So until I see them finish a game better, I'm not going to feel that great about this team because this is the NFL. Like every, every game, almost every game, 80% of the games are one possession, like a few different plays type of games like it comes down to the end and typically it's the best players making the big plays towards the end of games and i just don't see that happening with the seahawks this year just doesn't really seem like our year so that's just where i'm at justin where are you at i you were the one that asked the question i'm probably more optimistic than you both are i i still think there's opportunities ahead of us and the schedule could fall our way um I mean, like Jimmy Lake says, I think just a couple plays, play here, play there, and, you know, the Seahawks <laughs> are four and two. 
you know. So are you bringing up Jimmy Lake on the Seahawks podcast right now? Six and zero. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. Wouldn't I don't want to throw my me. brand new computer right now. So let's move on to the Saints game then, Connor. The Saints <laughs> are three and two uh, this season. They're coming off a bye, and it's tough. The series is tied, all-time series in the regular season, or actually all-time, including playoffs, is 8-8. Eight and eight. Hawks have lost the last two, but Saints are looking vastly different than they have in the last 14 years because they don't have Drew Brees. They have new quarterback Jameis Winston, famous Jameis, turnover machine as he's known, but this year he has 12 touchdowns to three interceptions, so a little better taking care of the ball, so... What are we going to see? Who are, who are we watching on the Saints team, Sam? Who do you have your eye on to um, that could hurt us or that we could exploit? Yeah, I mean, first person that could hurt us and will hurt us is their running back. Alvin Kamara's an elite running back in the league, has been for a while. Running the ball out of the backfield, I mean, that's been an Achilles heel for the Seahawks defense forever is just the dump-offs to running backs and – I think Kamara is going to have a field day with that. I don't like the matchup he presents. I don't think we have anybody on our defense that can really match up with him well. Bobby's too old and slow. Jamal Adams doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe you bring in uh, – what's his name? Shed? No, not Shed. Uh, Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal. Yeah. And That's a, Shed's do a coach, something. I think. Yeah, Shout former coach. player. They kind of they play similar roles on the team. Um, yeah. but yeah, maybe you try to like spy him and just put Ryan Neal on him. I don't know, but Alvin Kamara is a monster, and it's going to be problematic for sure. What about you, Connor? Anybody? I mean, famous Jameis, obviously going to be all eyes yeah. on him whenever he takes the field. But I don't think he's the greatest yeah. quarterback. No, and this Saints team is very, very hot and cold. Um, and they kind of go by by how Jameis is playing for the most part. They have like to start off the year they got a thirty-eight to three victory over the over the Packers, and then the next week they're falling to the Panthers twenty-six to seven. So it's just it's very um, up and down, up and down. Um, yeah, Lo- well, lots lots of up and downs. Let's look at it even this way. The They've Giants. gone. Win, loss, win, loss, win. Loss. Yeah. Book it. All right. Well, I think we can probably end this here now. Um, yeah, I mean, they've... Other than the Packers game, the teams that they've beaten aren't all that impressive, I would say. With the Patriots and, and the Washington football team. And they lost to the Giants, too. And the Giants are At not home. a very good team. At home. At home. In OT. Um, it's not like the, I'm not going to like crown the Seahawks or anything. Cause obviously they haven't done much this year as far as wins and losses go, but this is for sure. A, a, a beatable team, a winning, a, a winnable game on, on, on the Seahawks day. And if the saints have a, have a day that might be a struggling day for, for them, it all starts with Jameis, I think, um, um, as far as like their their up and downness, Alvin Kamara is a, a pretty com- proven commodity that you that you had talked about. If you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, 
Um, Cam Jordan is a name that obviously is, is has been kind of a mainstay there in in New Orleans. Um, really good pass rusher. Uh, we need to definitely make sure that we're blocking him well to keep Chino clean. Um, he'll probably did Brandon Shelk ended up coming back in at right tackle, right? Uh, I wasn't watching. He got that hurt closely. for a little bit. He got hurt for a little bit, but then I think he came right back. So hopefully he's healthy. Um, he also kind of struggled this game, especially, I mean, that was with TJ Watt. But Cam Jordan can have that kind of day whenever he's he's clicking. So just def- definitely need to be make sure that we're blocking him well. If if he's able to get pressure on Gino, I think this is going to be a really long day at the office. Um, but if we block him well, there's there's definitely some opportunities, I think, that we could we could score some points against this this squad. Totally. Yep. Totally agree. I think uh, I'm watching the wide receiver core on the Saints. I mean, I don't think they're that good, to be fair. I mean, Michael Thomas isn't out there. He might be. Sounds like Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith might be back. He can come. They can come back from Pup, right? Because that's what he was placed on. Because this is week seven now. Yeah. It could be. I. I don't know if Michael Thomas is back. I don't know how much of a difference he makes. Yeah. I mean, without Drew Brees throwing the ball, maybe, but I mean, who knows what is where he's at in terms of game, you know, game condition and whatnot. But I think if you have Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith back, like that's definitely much better than what that's definitely a boost for sure. It's something to consider. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely to watch because, like I was saying, Marquez Callaway and who the hell else do they have? Um, That's a good question. I can look it up. Keep going. Uh, God, I, I want to remember their name. Kenny Stills, I think. God, I don't know. Uh, is he still on the team? I want to say he is. And then their tight ends. Like, I think Emmanuel so Sanders is there, right? No, he's on, no, the, he's Bills. on the Bills. Oh, he's yeah. gone. Yeah, he was. Oh. He was on the 49ers last year. Hmm. Think, Deontay right? Harris is their leading receiver this year. Or they got Ty Montgomery. Oh, wide receiver <laughs> running back. Yeah. Secret weapon. Oh. Yeah. And then they have like, uh, what's his name? Rainbow Trout as tight end. So it's just, it, <laughs> it's subpar. Right. So I think it's a place where our corners, if they could play well, could match up. But yeah, there's something to watch there with Michael Thomas and especially Trey Smith, in my opinion. So how do our corners stack up um, if we're transitioning to the Hawks here? Like if Sidney Jones misses any time or, you know, we just replace him with Trey Brown, how is he going to fare up in a first start against the Saints offense that's been hot and cold or Jekyll and Hyde? So I'm watching that and then the defensive line unit and the linebackers, I should add, like, how are we going to mark Kamara? How are we going to limit him and push him around? Because at the end of the day, that's the playmaker that's going to kill us. Um, And not just in the run in the past too. He's a very, very, very good pass catcher. So um, how do, how do we slow him down? And that's where I'm watching how this defense plays that Sam. Yeah. That goes back to my call out of Alvin Kamara. Like I was alluding to it. I don't know what the answer is on this defense. Like, Maybe it's Jamal Adams' time to be the best in the nation. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't see it happening. So <laughs> you look at an undrafted free agent, 
Ryan Neal is maybe your best looking option. And that's not too optimistic about the matchup as much as I like Ryan Neal, but Kamara is in a league of his own. I think he's going to kill us. So uh, it's kind of a tough game to predict for me. Honestly, I think both teams have just had like such an injury bug at key positions. I think losing, not, not being able to start the season with, Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith. I think Will Lutz has been out on the offensive line as well. So in some regards, like the more that I think about it, if some of these key players are coming back for the Saints and they've somehow managed three and two to this point, like it might be not as great of a matchup for the Hawks as I might have originally thought. I just looked at it. Michael Thomas is still a couple of weeks away from returning, so we won't be back there for is. this game. That was the report 11 hours ago. Oh, mm. That seems like that would be the latest and greatest. Yeah. So that's good. That's a good thing for the Hawks. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you looking at from a Hawks perspective, Connor? Yeah, I want... Not a player, but I just want to see Shane Waldron call a cleaner game from start to finish like you see spurts of this offense that it's just like oh that was creative that was kind of a cool wrinkle um and then it just seems to all kind of go away like the next drive so i just want to see more consistency i think from the offensive side of the ball um and i think it all starts with the play calling and shane waldron I like to just see us get the playmakers involved. I talked about how a lot of these guys in space, much like the Husky team, like these Seahawks receivers are really good in space. They can make guys miss force feed DK. Like that dude can take over a game. If you yeah. give him the opportunities, Tyler Lockett's not getting the opportunities that he deserves. He's definitely open. You just got to throw it to him um, or scheme him open. Get your tight ends involved. We saw Disley a little bit. We saw Everett a little bit last game, but I would like to see more of that. Like, I mean, Everett only had two receptions, and one of them was like the first play of the game that was like a stupid little tunnel screen thing that play was like blown up before it even got started. And then the other one was that long completion. Get him in some kind of space. I know that you can scheme, scheme that. Like, I know that you can. And he's a weapon from that tight end position, and he's a mismatch for any defensive player that's going to go against him because he's faster than any linebacker that's going to go against him and he's bigger than any corner that's going to go against him so i really like i really like what gerald everett could bring to this to this seahawks offense and i think he's a he's an easy outlet for geno smith if they use him the right way so that that's mostly what i'm looking for um on the offense side of the ball and then if you look at the defense side of the ball i think it's all about getting some pressure on the quarterback i think that's just where it starts I hope Daryl Taylor is healthy enough to play this week. Um, he obviously was the key to kind of any kind of pressure against Big Ben, even though he was getting it out of his hands within like half a second. Um, Saints offense doesn't do that. I mean, they're going to drop, they're going to drop Jameis back there and he's going to sit in the pocket for a bit. So if he can get some pressure on him and, you know, for, force him into some bad throws, you might get some turnovers in this game because Jameis has done that before. So we all know that. Um, I think that's that's kind of where it starts on on both sides of the ball for me. And if both of those things go well, I think this is definitely a winnable game for the Seahawks. 
Yeah. So moving on to some keys to the game, guys. Um, how are the Saints going to adjust? We saw the Steelers adjust in the fourth quarter of this week's game where they went into five linemen to really sell out and stop the run and say, hey, Geno Smith beat us. And he had one good drive, um, but it was two-minute drill, a little different, you know, defensive linemen are hustling back, et cetera. So keys to the game, how are we going to attack the Saints rush defense? They're pretty good. They're a pretty good rush they defense. Good. Um, yeah, they're only giving up 79 yards a game. Right. So 3.3 like per attempt. How are we going to move the ball? How are we going to attack? How are we going to use a tight end? Like Connor keeps banging the drum about how do we get Gerald Everett involved? How do we get big will your guys's favorite involved into this offense and start to use the pieces that we have? Um, because Marshawn Lattimore is pretty good, but other than that, I don't think they have fantastic corners. So how do we get Lockett involved in this game? So I think moving the ball against the saints defense and finding passing outlets is one of my keys to the game guys. Yeah, I think just being balanced and unpredictable on offense. You found a little rhythm in the running game. I mean, I don't want to go full on run the damn ball mode here, but <laughs> I think you've definitely found some success there and go back go back to what's working well and utilize that, maybe open up some play action passing for those weapons that you mentioned, Justin, tight ends, wide receivers but really just sustaining the drives, controlling possession is something the Seahawks haven't done at all this season. So I think that's going to be a major key, just like having a balanced approach on offense, sustain some long drives and take what this defense is going to give you because to, to everything we've called out is outside of the pass rush. It's a defense that I think can be got. For sure. And if you're look, flipping over to the other side of the ball, I mean, their offense just revolves all around their running back. And Sam talked about it a lot earlier that he doesn't really like that matchup because we don't really have anyone that mar that marks him super well or goes up against him super well. But Alvin Kamara, one of the best running backs in the league, and we got to keep him at bay. We got it. I don't think there's any way that we're going to stop him. We just have to contain him and limit him um, and be able to make enough plays against him to get off the field at certain times and um, take him out of some plays as well. So that's, that's obviously what I'm watching for on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I don't know what the answer is there because obviously no one in the linebacking core and no one, none of the safeties have shown the ability to cover um running backs or tight ends this year and it, it'll be a tough matchup but the one thing that i do go back to justin is that their wide receivers are not very good especially if they're not getting michael thomas this back this this week that like if we are able to key in more on one guy i think that that is doable for this defense I think what's given us trouble is that there's always been at least like two, maybe even three solid targets in the opposing offenses that we faced. And in this one, it's really, it's really all about Alvin Kamara. Mm -hmm. They, they kind of come and go by him. And I mean, Jameis is Jameis. Like obviously like he, he can get other guys involved and he's, he's a good enough quarterback to win against any team, but he's also a bad enough quarterback to lose against any team. <laughs> 
Um, so he's he's way more up and down. And Alvin Kamara is kind of their steady bell cow. And that's how this offense comes and goes. Yeah, I could see Taysom Hill coming in and goal line, and they always get touchdowns because like they're moving and shifting things around and et cetera. But yeah, he's yeah. been hurt. He's yeah, questionable right. for this game. I think he will be back, but we'll see. Yeah, but I'm hoping that you know Jameis just has a turnover before the red zone. And that way, we don't get Taysom Hill or he's no. not healthy and et cetera. For All sure. right, prediction time. Sam, let's start with you this time. What is going to happen in the Saints Seahawks matchup on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I think it's going to be a similar game to the Steelers in, in terms of how the game ends. I think it'll be a really close game. The Seahawks are going to have their chances to to put it away and win it. But at the end of the day, I think the Saints are going to come out on top 23 to 21. I think Alvin Kamara is going to prove to be just a little bit too much for this defense to handle. And offensively, we'll score some points, but it, I just – after last week, it was kind of piecemeal together. We got hot running, running the ball in the second half. And I don't know that I see us coming out on top, honestly. And I feel bad to be on, on the opposite side this, this go around on predictions, but 23 to 21 is my pick for the Saints. This is where this this is where this podcast turns around as far as we've been so doom and gloom about our football teams. Okay. We need to spark a little bit of life, a little bit of energy, have a little bit of positivity going forward. Um I, I've said it. I think this is a winnable game. And you're at home, you're on Monday night football. Uh you don't have Russell playing, but um, you know, Geno Smith on Monday night football is the next best thing, right? You betcha. Right. Yeah. No, uh, not really, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll see Jamal Adams introduce himself with some ridiculousness before the game and he'll make something stupid, some, some stupid mistake during the game. And he'll be another meme by, you know, Tuesday morning. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the matchups are just better suited for this team to handle when it comes to this, this saints, this saints squad. And there are very Justin. You said it right at the top. They're a very different team than they've been in the past with Drew Brees. They're not slinging it all around the yard like they used to. Um, it's really all about Alvin Kamara on offense. Um, defense is still pretty solid, really stout against the run, but you can definitely pass against these guys. Um, so if we're able to protect well, I think that that honestly, <laughs> I talking keys to the game if we're able to protect well and Gino has a little bit of time to find some find his weapons I think this offense could score a few points against this team and I I have us winning 21 to 20 it'll be close it'll be tight there's no way I think that it's not um I mean it if we're predicting a blowout it's for sure going to be Saints winning this game there's no way that the Seahawks blow out the Saints but I do predict this to be a close game and a hard-fought game and they finally get over the hump and bring their record back to three and four with the 21 to 20 victory on Monday night football. Justin, what do you think? I pretty much see the exact same thing as you, Connor. So I won't beat a dead horse, but I have 23 to 20 Seahawks for almost the exact same reasons. 
when I was initially making my picks earlier today, I had the Saints winning. We changed both of ours. Yeah, we changed um, both of ours. I know here, that. but as, after thinking about it more and not just being like an emotional reaction to, oh yeah, the Seahawks suck, season's over, and actually thinking about it in the matchups, I do think it's going to be a toss-up game, though. Honestly, I think you know we all have like twenty-one twenty. Sam has twenty-three twenty-one to the Saints. I have twenty-three twenty Seahawks. I mean, it's going to be that type of game either way. Mm-hmm. Miss field goal, field goal here at the end is going to win it or lose it for a team. So, you know, the Seahawks have only had two of their six games at home this season. They've lost both of them, one to the Rams, and that was the unfortunate game, and obviously the blow, the the blown lead to the Titans. So, I mean. This is the time. This is where we get our first win. The 12s will be loud on Monday night football. Hopefully it rains and that messes with Jameis and uh, we come out on top, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we win the turnover battle too, that'd be big. Which I think I think there's a pretty decent chance that we could with famous Jameis at the helm, especially if it is raining, like you said, Justin. I like that who, matchup. Who knows? Maybe, uh, you know... Cam Newton's vaccinated now. Maybe we just sign him off the street and he's good to go in three days. There are rumors. Sign, up, sign him on like Sunday. There we go. Just have him run, keep and dive. <laughs> yep. John Donovan. Wildcat. <laughs> yeah, he would. Jimmy would love it. All right. Any other uh, closing thoughts before we wrap up for the evening, gentlemen? Not for me. I think that covers it all. I think it's time on prime time to wear the blue jerseys. Let's give those a try instead of the action green. I want the prime time. Which we should blue. be, right? We only, I think we only wear the action. Well, I guess we did wear the action green on Monday Night Football against the Vikings last year. Last year, yeah. Um, I want the blue. We already wore them. I mean, we wore them two weeks ago. I don't think. Yeah, we were I, I want the blue. Point. Yeah, I'm good with the blue. And then on the road, we need to bust out the wolf gray. Ooh, the wolf gray. We haven't done I, that in a while. I huh? feel like I'm in the unpopular opinion where I don't hate those jerseys. I think they're I fine. Love people, the people hate them. People hate them. I people think they're hate so them. cool. What I'm not need... like I, I don't have strong feelings about them, I guess. I, I think they're fine. What we need I is like, a I like mo- sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna go say ahead. is what we need is a 2000s modern day like style of the throwback Seahawks with the blue and the silver top sure. with the silver helmet. That's what we need. It's yeah. coming. It's coming. 2023, I think, yeah. is when we can have that second helmet. So it'll happen for sure that year. All right. Well, let's hope for bigger and better things here with this football season. Uh, I don't think it could. Well, you did say in the last podcast <laughs> that it definitely could get worse, but it can't get much worse than than where we're at right now with our football teams. Um it's been, a, it's been a tough season, and we haven't seen a football season like this in a long time in this area. Thank God we have a hockey team to get us through these months. Um, even because, I mean, in their, in their inaugural season, even if they end up sucking this year, at least it's a new sport to watch, and it's entertaining. So I'll give them that. Um, but let's hope that these football teams can, you know, start to turn around at this point in the year and that we have – something to talk about for the next couple of months and something exciting to talk about rather than just us bitching about the team. Cause you know, it might be entertaining to some folks, but I think for the most part, people would rather listen to this podcast if the teams are doing well. So not only for, 
for our sanity as as sports fans, but for the sake of the podcast, hopefully, hopefully these football teams turn their seasons around because I think it would I think it would help out everyone. All right. Well, let's wrap it there. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks.